This week's Catholic reading offering is an unusual one. It wasn't penned by a pope, but was instead penned for Pope St. Pius X by his holy office in 1905. It is the decree on Holy Communion, which advised the laity to receive our Lord as often as they could do so in a state of grace, and to go to Mass daily if they were able. At the time, there had been a growing practice among Catholics to only receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament once a year, a problem that has long since inverted itself, with sacrilegious communion being the norm in an age where belief in the real presence has faded. But the idea promoted here is very sound. Greater holiness can be received by receiving our Lord validly more frequently. One of the things that makes the decree unusual is that it is not to be found on the Vatican website, unlike most papal encyclicals and important decrees from the Holy Office in the relatively recent past. Instead, this could only be found in an old and rather obscure book that had been brought to my attention by a colleague of mine on social media. Anyway, today I present the decree on receiving daily the Most Holy Eucharist, promulgated under and at the behest of Pope St. Pius X. The Council of Trent, having in view the unspeakable treasures of grace, which are offered to the faithful who receive the Most Holy Eucharist, makes the following declaration. The Holy Synod would desire that at every Mass the faithful who are present should communicate not only spiritually, by way of internal affection, but sacramentally, by the actual reception of the Eucharist. See Session 22. Which words declare plainly enough the wish of the Church that all Christians should be daily nourished by this heavenly banquet, and should derive therefrom abundant fruit for their sanctification. And this wish of the Council is in entire agreement with that desire wherewith Christ our Lord was inflamed when he instituted this divine sacrament. For he himself, more than once, and in no ambiguous terms, pointed out the necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, especially in the words, This is not the bread that cometh, this is the bread that cometh down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. See John chapter 6, verse 59. Now, from this comparison of the food of angels with bread and with the manna, it was easily to be understood by his disciples that, as the body is daily nourished with bread, and as the Hebrews were daily nourished with manna in the desert, so the Christian soul might daily partake of this heavenly bread and be refreshed thereby. Moreover, whereas in the Lord's Prayer we are bidden to ask for our daily bread, the holy fathers of the church all but unanimously teach that by these words must be understood not so much that the material bread, which is the support of the body, as the Eucharistic bread, which ought to be our daily body. Moreover, the desire of Jesus Christ and of the church that all the faithful should daily approach the sacred banquet is directed chiefly to this end, that the faithful, being united to God by means of the sacrament, may thence derive strength to resist their sensual passions, to cleanse themselves from the stains of daily faults, and to avoid those graver sins to which human frailty is liable, so that its primary purpose is not that the honor and reverence due to our Lord may be safeguarded, or that the sacrament may serve as a reward of virtue bestowed on the recipients. Hence, the Holy Council of Trent calls the Eucharist the antidote whereby we are delivered from daily faults and preserved from deadly sins. The desire on the part of God was so well understood by the first Christians that they daily flocked to the holy table as a source of life and strength. They were persevering in the doctrine of the apostles and in the communication of the breaking of bread. See Acts chapter 2 verse 42. 
and that this practice was continued in later ages, not without great fruit of holiness and perfection, the Holy Fathers and ecclesiastical writers bear witness. But when in later times piety grew cold, and more especially under the influence of the plague of Jansenism, disputes began to arise concerning the dispositions with which it was proper to receive communion frequently or daily, and writers vied with one another in imposing more and more stringent conditions as necessary to be fulfilled. The result of each dispute was that very few were considered worthy to communicate daily, and to derive from this most healing sacrament its more abundant fruits, the rest being content to partake of it once a year, or once a month, or at the utmost weekly. Nay, to such a pitch was rigorism carried that whole classes of persons were excluded from a frequent approach to the holy table. For instance, those engaged in trade or even those living in the state of matrimony. Others, however, went to the opposite extreme. Under the persuasion that daily communion was a divine precept, and in order that no day may pass without the reception of the sacrament, besides other practices contrary to the approved uses of the church, they held that the Holy Eucharist ought to be received, and in fact administered it even on Good Friday. Under these circumstances, the Holy See did not fail in its duty of vigilance. For by a decree of this sacred congregation, which begins with the words, Cum eds aures, issued on February 12, 1679, with the approbation of Innocent XI, it condemned these errors and put a stop to such abuses, at the same time declaring that all the faithful or whatsoever class, merchants or tradesmen or married persons not accepted, might be admitted to frequent communion, according to the devotion of each one and the judgment of his confessor. And on December 7, 1690, by the decree of Pope Alexander VIII, Sanctissimus Dominus, the proposition of bias, postulating a perfectly pure love of God without any admixture of defect, as requisite on the part of those who wished to approach the holy table, was condemned. Yet the poison of Jansenism, which under the pretext of, slow, of showing due honor and reverence to the Holy Eucharist, had infected the minds of good men, did not entirely disappear. The controversy as to the disposition requisite for the lawful and laudable frequenting of the sacrament survived the declarations of the Holy See, so much so indeed that certain theologians of good repute judged that daily communion should be allowed to the faithful only in rare cases and under many conditions. On the other hand, there were not wanting men of learning and piety who were more readily granted permission of this practice, so salutary and so pleasing to God. In accordance with the teachings of the fathers, they maintained that there was no precept of the church which prescribed more perfect dispositions in the case of daily than of weekly or monthly communion, while the good effects of daily communion would, they alleged, be far more abundant than those of communion received weekly or monthly. In our own day, the controversy has been carried on with increased warmth, and not without bitterness, so that the minds of confessors and the consciences of the faithful have been disturbed, to the no small detriment of Christian piety and devotion. Accordingly, certain distinguished men, themselves pastors of souls, have urgently besought His Holiness, Pope Pius X, to deign to settle by his supreme authority the question concerning the dispositions requisite for daily communion, so that this usage, so salutary, and so pleasing to God, might not only suffer no decrease among the faithful, but might rather be promoted and everywhere propagated, a thing most desirable in these days when religion and the Catholic faith are attacked on all sides, and the true love of God and genuine piety are so lacking in many quarters. 
and his holiness, being most earnestly desirous, out of his abundant solicitude and zeal, that the faithful should be invited to partake of the sacred banquet as often as possible, and even daily, and should profit to the utmost by its fruits, committed the aforesaid question to this sacred congregation to be looked into and decided once and for all. Accordingly, the sacred congregation of the council in a plenary session held on December 16, 1905, submitted the whole matter to a very careful scrutiny, and after credulously examining the reasons adduced on either side, determined and declared as follows. 1. Frequent and daily communion, as a thing most earnestly desired by Christ our Lord and by the Catholic Church, should be open to all the faithful of whatever rank and condition of life, so that no one who is in a state of grace and who approaches the holy table with a right and devout intention can lawfully be hindered therefrom. 2. A right intention consists in this, that he who approaches the holy table should do so, not out of a routine or vainglory or human respect, but for the purpose of pleasing God, of being more closely united with him by charity, and of seeking this divine remedy for his weaknesses and defects. 3. It is most expedient that those who communicate frequently or daily should be free from venial sins, especially from such as are fully deliberate, and from any affection thereto. Nevertheless, it is sufficient that they be free from mortal sin, with the purpose of never sinning mortally in future. And if they have this sincere purpose, it is impossible but that daily communicants should gradually emancipate themselves from even venial sins and from all affection thereto. 4. But whereas the sacraments of the new law, though they take effect ex opere operato, nevertheless produce a greater effect in proportion as the dispositions of the recipient are better, Therefore, care is to be taken that Holy Communion be preceded by serious preparation, and followed by a suitable thanksgiving according to each one's strength, circumstances, and duties. 5. That the practice of frequent and daily communion may be carried out with greater prudence and more abundant merit. The confessor's advice should be asked. Confessors, however, are to be careful not to dissuade anyone from frequent and daily communion, provided that he is in a state of grace and approaches with a right intention. But since it is plain that by the frequent or daily reception of the Holy Eucharist, union with Christ is fostered, the spiritual life more abundantly sustained, the soul more richly endowed with virtues, and an even surer pledge of everlasting happiness bestowed on the recipient. Therefore, parish priests, confessors, and preachers, in accordance with the approved teaching of the Roman Catechism, are frequently and with great zeal to exhort the faithful to this devout and salutary practice. 7. Frequent and daily communion is to be promoted, especially in religious orders and congregations of all kinds, with regard to which, however, the decree quomod modum issued on December 17, 1890, by the Sacred Congregation of Bishops and Regulars is to remain in force. It is also to be promoted, especially in ecclesiastical seminaries, where students are preparing for the service of the altar, as also in all Christian establishments of whatever kind for the training of youth. In the case of religious institutes, whether of solemn or religious vows, in whose rules or constitutions or calendars communion is assigned to certain fixed days, such regulations are to be regarded as directive and not per preceptive. In such cases, the appointed number of communions should be regarded as a minimum and not as a setting a limit to the devotion of the religious. Therefore, freedom of access to the Eucharistic table, whether more frequently or daily, must always be allowed them, according to the principles above laid down in, in this decree. And in order that all religions, religious of both sexes may clearly understand the provisions of this decree, the superior of each house is to see that it is read in community, 
in the vernacular every year within the octave of the Feast of Corpus Christi. And nine, finally, after the publication of this decree, all ecclesiastical writers are to cease from contentious controversies concerning the dispositions requisite for frequent and daily communion. All this having been reported to His Holiness Pope Pius X by the undersigned Secretary of the Sacred Congregation in an audience held on December 17, 1905, His Holiness ratified and confirmed the present decree and ordered it to be published, anything to the contrary notwithstanding. He further ordered that it should be sent to all local ordinaries and regular prelates, to be communicated by them to their respective seminaries, parishes, religious institutes, and priests, and that in their reports concerning the state of their receptive dioceses or institutes, they should inform the Holy See concerning the execution of these matters therein determined. Given at Rome, the 20th day of December 1905. Signed, Cardinal, uh, the Cardinal Vincent, uh, Bishop of Palestrina, Prefect.